Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Dr. Rebecca Haynes. Dr. Haynes is the author of The Princess Problem, Guiding Our Girls Through the Princess-Obsessed Years. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hi. Thanks, Annie. Thank you for having me. I am intrigued about your book, and I want to start talking about it right away. Um, By your definition, what is The Princess Problem? Well, the princess problem is the way that the culture that our children are exposed to suggests to girls that the bulk of their value comes from their appearance and is really giving them all of these stereotypes about race, gender, beauty, that they're not equipped to handle at such a young age. Would you say that the culture pretty much does that kind of sexist number um, before the princess problem arrived? Oh, you mean historically? Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. I I think that the princess culture that we're immersed in currently is really just the latest in a series of problems in our society that really do a number on girls and women. So when I'm walking down the toy aisle with my daughter, um, how can I educate her in that moment when she sees all this stuff? I mean, it's not Halloween time here, but I tell you, walking around the neighborhood, there were a lot of princesses walking around. Um, How do you help little girls, especially, understand your perspective as a mom if you don't particularly want them to buy into it hook, line, and sinker? Well, you know, preschool children in particular really do identify with their parents. So if we as parents can really be articulate and clear about our values and talk back to the media and the toys that we see around us, girls are smart. They'll pick up on it and and they'll listen. Even if they don't seem to immediately embrace our perspective, that's okay. It's just a matter of getting them to start thinking critically. So, for example, in the moment in a toy store, one thing that you could do is ask her what she likes about a princess doll that is, you know, capturing her attention mm-hmm. and listen to what she's saying. You know, if if she's really focusing on, oh, she has such long hair and she's so skinny and I like her big eyes, you you don't have to contradict your child, but you can then start asking questions and saying, well, you know, do you think that that real people look like this? Do you think that people who don't like that look like this might feel a little badly when all of the dolls in this whole section only look this one way? Little questions and conversations like that accumulate over time and really make a big difference. Interesting. So if my little girl doesn't particularly look like... um one of these princess dolls, there's a place right there to start. How does it make you feel? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And many of the parents that I spoke with when I was doing the research for my book um, would talk about how maybe they're, I'm, I'm thinking of one mom I spoke with whose daughter is Latina. Mm -hmm. And who would stand in front of the mirror trying to brush her hair more and more to make it straight, like the princesses and like the Barbie dolls. And how she had to have these conversations and say, you know, there are lots of different kinds of hair in the world. And just because princesses and Barbies have this one kind of hair doesn't mean it's the only kind that's beautiful, you know, and really kind of emphasizing that there's a range of of beauty out there and and helping kids also see how they look like people in their own families and really identifying for them, maybe in family photos, like, look, you, you have Aunt Nancy's hair. Things like that also just help kids realize, oh, 
there's more out there than just what I'm seeing on screen or in the toy boxes. It's really important. And I'm thinking about the family connection that you just mentioned. Often we love, as children, we love the family members who are kind to us, um, who are gentle, who who pay attention to us, who who make time for us. And um, when you when you think about love and admiration, isn't it really how we are treated rather than, you know, whether our hair is blonde or, you know, we, we look like Barbie. Absolutely. And it's really important for moms in particular to remember that how children see us treat ourselves informs how they're likely to treat themselves in the future. So if, for example, you're a mom who's tempted to look in the mirror and say, oh, I can't believe how fat my thighs are. or Oh, my belly is sticking out so much. You really don't want your daughter 15, 20 years down the line to be hearing that voice in her head when she's looking at a body that looks very much like the body you have now. So learning to love ourselves first and be kind to ourselves helps our daughters be kind to themselves in the future. It's great advice. Now I'm wondering if you talked to anybody at Disney while you were while you were doing your princess book research. No, you know, unfortunately, um, all, despite my efforts, um, Disney declined an interview. But oh, you tried. I'm I'm proud of you for trying. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, I've had experiences in the past with my research that was really scholarly, just trying to get access to anybody at Disney. They, I respect I respect their need to protect their brand and their copyright, and I think that they are just very very careful about what they will authorize. Even in scholarly articles that I've published in journals, they have refused permission to use um, still images from like their TV shows as illustrations for scholarly analysis. So I wasn't surprised and I I do understand and I I respect their desire to protect their brand. Yeah. Well, I have to say that Disney seems to be doing a better job from my feminist perspective by by creating characters that are warrior princesses and um, strong and very um, active versus passive. Uh, We don't see a lot of princesses waiting to get rescued anymore, and I'm really happy about that. So I'm thinking maybe this is less of a problem than it used to be. What do you think? Though there is that pink aisle in the toy store still. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, you know, I think that when it comes to what's happening on screen, it's so clear that Disney is listening to us, that parents speaking out on social media um, really are being heard, and that the critics like myself and Peggy Orenstein and others who've written in this area, they're listening, and that's really heartening. But one thing that's also really clear to me is that the younger girls in, in particular, who maybe are two or three or four years old and perhaps aren't old enough to actually watch some of these movies... Mm-hmm. What's happening is they focus on the toys, right, and on the outfits. And if you look at what happens in the the princess-style toys, clothing, and other household items, even when you've got modern characters that are really strong and empowered, the Disney princess brand is all about uniformity and bringing all of the diverse Disney princesses in line in one synergistic brand that is cohesive. So even the powerful princesses are reduced down to the sort of pretty princess trope, right? So that's yeah. when you saw a couple years ago, there was a huge outcry when they redesigned Merida 
on the occasion of her quote unquote coronation and made her, you know, much more svelte and gave her sort of a sexy pout and took her weapons away in this image that they were planning to use for the Disney princess lineup that included her. So I I hope that as more people speak out about the toy aspect, that they'll maybe try to be a little more creative about looking for ways to include signals that these modern princesses are more empowered in the toys and other licensed products. You know, I was just thinking about Merida. Um, wasn't there a scene early on in the actual film where um, <laughs> her father was trying to like stick her into this role and and she refused? Like as you were describing, being stuck in this princess mold, I could imagine her like like taking a, an arrow out of her quiver and taking aim <laughs> at someone and saying, "No, you don't." This is this is the kind of power that obviously we want. Well. Obviously, I want for my for my daughter and and for the girls that I counsel. Um, how did you get into this? Well, you know, um, I did my dissertation research on girl power. So I worked with groups of tween girls, ages roughly eight to eleven, about what meaning they got from shows like The Powerpuff Girls and Kim Possible. Mm-hmm. Disney, right? All all of these great empowered girl shows that were circulating in like the late 90s through the mid 2000s. And at about that time period, Disney Princess emerged and some of these same girls started coming to me talking about Disney Princess and it was a recurring theme. And I thought, you know, I think this might be my next project. There's really something going on here. Mm -hmm. And as I was wrapping up um, the writing of my book based on my dissertation data, that book was Growing Up with Girl Power. Um, Well, it happens that I'm also a singer and I was performing in a production of The Magic Flute. And one of my friends in the cast said to me that she had gotten a job on the weekends that was paying really well as a birthday party princess, where she would go to children's birthday parties dressed as the sort of generic princesses. Because, you know, you can't, you have to be really careful about copyright issues, right? So she would be Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella, all of those public Mm -hmm. domain characters. Um, And she said, you know, it's so much fun and the little girls are great. And I thought huh, I've been wanting to study Disney princess, but interviewing four-year-old girls just isn't possible the way it is with eight or nine-year-old girls. What if I did some field research and sort of took a page out of Gloria Steinem's book and said, hey, I'm going to go undercover as a princess. So that's what you did. That's what I did. So I got a job on the weekends (laughs) and I got IRB approval from my university to do this. I went undercover as a, a party princess and also started interviewing parents and psychologists and educators and experts. And so I was able to put together this multifaceted book that brings together, you know, things that I saw in person, like going into girls' homes and seeing the rooms filled with princess products from top to bottom, um, along with what parents were sharing with me, with what educators said they had seen changing in the classroom over the years. And so it became this really cool multifaceted project that I'm just really pleased with the way that it went. Well, wow, this is so interesting, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking in terms of um, gender diversity, and and being allowed to be the kind of girl that you are. You know, mm-hmm. Rachel Rachel Simmons writes about real girls versus nice girls, mm-hmm. and I can imagine if there is like a culture of princessness in in your neighborhood. And you happen to be a girl like I was with two older brothers who really like to ride my bike fast and love to climb trees. Um, I, I'm wondering if I might, in fact, 
be discouraged, strongly, socially discouraged to be who I was and what that might have led to. And, and isn't this a broader sense of not necessarily how you look only, but also how you are in the world as a girl? Yes. One family that I spoke with had a daughter who, by the time of our interview, um, I think was maybe 12 or 13. And so I spoke with her as well. Mm-hmm. And what the family and the daughter shared was that she was one of those types of girls. When she was three or four, she just wanted to play with the boys. And she wore her hair relatively short by choice. And her favorite color was orange. And her parents were like, hey, great. We've got a girl who's not buying into the gender stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But then one day at school, one of the boys she was playing with realized that she was a girl. The boys had mistaken her for a boy. Some of them wanted to stop playing with her, and she very quickly got the message that she needed to play with the girls. Well, the girls were all sort of, you know, pink, princessly type girls. Boring. (laughs) Well, but they wouldn't accept her. And so caught in this sort of netherworld of, well, the boys won't play with me because I'm not a boy and the girls won't play with me because I'm not girlish enough. She went through what she and her family call her pink phase. And she just, she remembers how she was just pretending. She, as a 12 or 13 year old girl was telling me how as a four or five year old, she was pretending to be someone she was not Mm -hmm. until she got through it and came out. And then she was her orange self again. So it, it seemed like it, was such a great example of what kinds of pressure this dominant a culture can put on children that they feel like to be socially accepted, they have to pretend to be someone that they're not. And, you know, at four or five years old, that is just so incredibly unhealthy a lesson to be learning. So we're going to give some tips to parents now. Um, moms, you should put away your tiaras. <laughs> and, and, and you should... Do what to help your daughter find out who she really is versus um, just drinking the Kool-Aid of this pink princess stuff? What, What would you say? Well, definitely encourage whatever interests you see your daughter show any inclination towards that especially break stereotypes, right? So if she seems to be drawn towards robots and you can't find robot shirts in the girls section, you know what? Walk her to the boys section and and see if there's a robot shirt she thinks is cool and tell her, you know, clothes are for everyone. Colors are for everyone. Just because this isn't pink doesn't mean it's not for girls. Um, Things like that can really help. Get her, if, if she shows an interest in science or even if she doesn't, get her a science kit and not one that's pink. Get her a real science kit that's, you know, gender neutral, Typically, the gender-neutral ones actually have more features and are better quality, mm-hmm. um, which is a really sad commentary on what marketers think when they make a pink version of a neutral toy for, for kids. Um, and, you know, I think also just making sure that you have diverse friends in your life, you know, looking looking for mom friends who are like-minded with you in terms of, you know, those concerns about princess culture being maybe a little oppressive or a little too monochromatic Make sure that your daughter is seeing other families that share your values so that she feels um, buoyed and supported by a community of of family and friends. I really love that. There are many ways to be a powerful woman. This is true. (laughs) And what takeaway tip do you have for dads of daughters? You know, one of the really important things that I found in doing some some secondary research and looking through scholarship and talking with other experts is that dads need to praise their daughters for things other than their appearance. 
So if you're a dad, of, co- of course you think your daughter's beautiful, but make sure that you're balancing out the praise that she hears from you with compliments about how quickly she runs or how hard she worked on her homework. Um, you know, things that are not just about placing value on her appearance, but placing value on who she is and what she's interested in. Because the way fathers interact with their daughters often sets a sort of groundwork for how girls want other men to interact with her later in life. This is great advice. Rebecca, I'm so glad you did this work and I'm I'm really grateful to you. Um, I see what happens when girls later on in middle school and, and into high school feel boxed in about who they can be. So thank you very much. And thanks for spending time with us today. You're so welcome. It's really my pleasure. And before we leave, I'd like you to give our listeners and viewers an opportunity to find out where they, to, to tell us where they can find out more about the work that you do. Well, um, more information about my book is available at theprincessproblem.com. And I also have a blog at rebeccahaines.com. That's H-A-I-N-S slash blog. Great. Thanks again for your time and your good work, Rebecca. You're welcome. Thank you very much. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with tweens, teens, and parents, visit AnnieFox.com. And there you can find all about my parent coaching and family coaching. You can also find out about my parenting book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, and my new book for 8- to 12-year-old girls, The Girls' Q&A Book on Friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And tune in next when my guest will be Jeannie Demers. Jeannie is the creator of the Ruby Books and also the chief operating officer of WeStopHate.org. If you love Family Confidential as much as we love producing it and bringing these great resources to you, please consider going to iTunes and reviewing and rating us. It may be a little thing to you, but it means an awful lot to us. Family Confidential Podcast is produced by Electric Egg Plant creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. And until next time, happy parenting.